Many of you may know that uh, our president, President Trump, called for a national day of prayer today. And so we appreciate that and want to honor that. So I'd like to lead us in a prayer right now. And as I do that, I know we have, uh, as we pray for leaders in our country, I know we have some local people up for election. There's a primary uh, election on Tuesday. We encourage all, all of our people to vote. And if you're involved, if you're running uh, for office, I would like you to stand and stay standing while I pray uh, for the National Day of Prayer. All right, John. All right, great. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, we pray that you would give our leaders wisdom Lord, as they deal with the uncertain times that we're facing. And Father, especially, we pray that you give President Trump wisdom. Lord, help him to make good decisions, protect his health. Lord, we pray for our other national leaders that you'd uh, help them to work together, help them to uh, be wise and, and make good policy for us. Father, we pray for our local leaders here in our area, and especially those that are part of our church family, that you would strengthen them, protect them, help them, or to make decisions that honor you. And Father, we also pray for our church family, Lord, that you'd help us, protect us, help us to be a light, Lord, shining on your truth and your hope. And Father, we pray that for Christians around the world, that this is our time uh, to minister uh, to a dark world. And Father, we uh, pray that regarding this virus, Lord, that you would slow the spread. And Lord, we know all that's in your hands and no matter what happens, we know that as far as us as believers, you work all things to work good for us. And Lord, we thank you for that promise. And that gives us confidence to face anything. God, thank you for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. We, next week, we begin a, a series called um, Pandemic, uh, Facing, the fear, Facing Fear in an Uncertain World. And so there's a lot been going on. You've been hearing a lot of things. And, and because of what's been happening, I don't know if you noticed, but in our country, and especially in our area, we've run out of some stuff. Have you noticed that? And, and I don't understand why this is, but one of the things that we've run out of is toilet paper. You know, I don't know why, but you actually cannot buy a roll of toilet paper in Sandusky County. So because of that, I thought our church would donate one roll of toilet paper to Heartbeat Hope Medical Crisis Pregnancy Center, which I will auction off right now in the service. And, I, and I'm going to start the bidding because this is probably worth, I don't know, a quarter. But I started the bidding last time at first service at $1. Guess what it sold for? 200 bucks. Not that I'm not putting any pressure on anybody, but okay, so here we go. The bidding starts, just, just throw it out there. Who will give me a buck for this pristine, in its original wrapper, never been used, Grace Community Church toilet paper? Do I have a bid of a dollar? Anybody? A bid? Oh, there we go. A dollar. Five dollars. Anybody? Five? Five dollars. Ten? Okay. Twenty? We're up to twenty. Anybody else? Forty? Forty dollars right there. Anyone else? 50? We're at 50? 75? All right, we got 75. Anyone else? 75? Okay, what? 100, 100, $100 for this roll of fine, pristine Grace Community Church. 
And, and uh, you know, I'm sorry, Sharon, I don't know if this is two-ply or one-ply, you know, and probably I should have known that uh, since you are bidding $100. $100, any, any other bids? $100, going once. $201, the highest bid of the day. I didn't see where that came from, but I heard it. 201, going once, going twice. 250, right here, all right, Josh. $250, going once, going twice. Three, $300, $300, $300, going once, going twice. Sold for $300 to Heartbeat Hope Medical. <laughs> Crisis Pregnancy Center. Can I throw this? Are you ready? Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. We'll see how good of a... T yeah, we'll see if I can do it. Hey, all right. Thank you very much. Wow, that was, that was great. I know Heartbeat Hope Medical will very much appreciate that, uh, a ministry that's very dear to our hearts. And thank you very much, Sharon. I, pr I appreciate that. So we've been, we've been in a series talking about Ephesians, and we've gone through the first few chapters. Remember, that was all theological and sort of what's wrong with the world and, and what God's doing. And then starting in chapter four, it turned way more practical saying, hey, this is how our faith as Christians, this is how our faith shows up in our life. And so this is what faith looks like. Rubber meets the road. You know, this is faith. And then last Sunday, we, we ended that section in chapter six that said, now here specifically is how faith show us, shows up in these key relationships, right? And then a lot of people wonder, well, why didn't it, the letter end right there? I mean, theology, the practical, and now the super practical, and bam, goodbye, signed Paul. Why did it continue? Well, Paul continued it because he wanted us to know that as we live out our Christian life, we're in a fight. And he wanted to describe that for us. So I'm going to pick up where we left off and... Um, and that's in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, 
With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here Paul continues. He's wrapping his letter up. Why, why not end after, the, after the, the very practical key advice that he gave us for relationships? Why not end there? Because we're in a fight and he needs to tell us three things about the fight and the way we're going to see that he's going to tell us who we fight, what we fight, and how we fight. And so it starts out, he's letting us know who we fight. See, a lot of people think, hey, the biggest problem I have is my marriage, talked about that, or, or my relationships, or my financial issues, or my health. But Paul's telling us, hey, that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that you have an enemy. The biggest problem that you have is the devil. And I know I'm saying that and some of you are going, whoa, whoa, Kevin. Wow, we're getting a little primitive here, aren't we? We don't talk a lot about this. Yeah, well, you shouldn't, shouldn't sound primitive to you because this shows up several times in Scripture. In the New Testament, as a matter of fact, Paul has already alluded to this several times in his letter. Uh, there's a spiritual realm all around us. And I know people downplay that today, and we don't talk a whole lot about it, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't think Satan's ever involved unless they see somebody with their head actually spinning around, you know, 360 degrees. And then there's, on the other hand, and, and some, you have people saying, it, there's, it's, it's not a rea reality. Satan's not a reality. On the flip side, you have some people saying, well, the devil made me do it. I mean, Satan's everywhere doing everything, superstitiously. But the Bible has a very balanced view that I want us to explore today. And here's what I'm saying. If you believe in a God who created you and loves you and gives you direction for life and has made a way to redeem you, you should believe what he says about your enemy. There's actually a place in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus gathers a larger group of disciples and he sends out 72 followers to do ministry in the countryside in Israel. And they, they, they go out and as they start returning, they, they're, they're pumped, they're excited. They come and they say, Jesus, wow, it was amazing. Even, even demons submitted to us in the power of your name. You notice Jesus didn't respond by saying, demons whoa slow your roll there's no demons that's not what we're talking about here no Jesus actually said yeah I know and then he said I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning from the sky he's basically saying hey I was there the day Satan fell that's what that's what Jesus said and we need to take that that seriously and by the way Paul's not saying 
that we don't ever fight against flesh and blood. He's saying we don't only fight against flesh and blood. He's giving us, hey, there's a reason that we have this spiritual flesh and blood fight because there's a spiritual reality behind the whole thing. That's what he's telling us. He's saying there's a reason. And, and flesh and blood evil, what is that? Well, unjust war and racism, violence, cruelty. You know, that's what we're talking about. And remember, Paul knows all about this. He's in prison as he writes this letter and he's previously been beaten. He's been stoned and now he's awaiting his execution. I mean, that's, that's what Paul dealt with. It's, it's funny because a lot of times we have people in our world, naturalists, who, who they want to deny the problem of evil is a spiritual problem. We saw that especially in the 20th century. In the 20th century, people were saying, hey, this whole evil thing, there, there's really no evil. All this violence and cruelty, racism, all that stuff, that can be overcome just with education. If, if, if people just learned, if they were just educated, all those problems would go away. And after they said that, you know what happened? Something called World War II. World War II happened with death camps and the Holocaust. And by the way, that all happened in what was considered at the time one of the most educated and advanced and advanced civilizations in the world. It happened right there. And then, of course, after Nazism or National Socialism, whatever you want to call it, after that came Marxism. And then Marxism said, hey, yeah, all the problems, they're societal. And what we need to do is we need to remove all the capitalists. And then the pro proletariat, proletariat will take over or the, uh, the common laborers, they will rule and that everything will be better. Of course, what they find out, they found out that the labor leaders were way more violent and oppressive than the capitalists ever were. And it was worse, not better. You have people saying, wow, the problem is educational. And people are saying, the problem is society. The Bible didn't have that problem. The Bible tells us exactly where evil came from. From the beginning. The Bible tells us that evil came from because God created two classes of beings angels and humans, and, and both he gave this incredible gift of free will that they can actually have a relationship, a voluntary relationship with God, that they could love God back with their free will. But free will was used to rebel against God. In the class of angels, that was a one-time thing where Satan fell and his followers, we think a third of all angels, fell. That's what we call demons and, and alienated them, rebelled against their creator. And then for us, for human beings, even worse. All of us fell. We've all sinned. We've all rebelled against our creator We've all sinned against God. We've all thought we had a better plan. We've all decided to live our life our way, at least in some areas of our life. We're all alienated from God, which is why we have this good news called the gospel, which is basically 
What the Bible is telling us, the main message is simply, we as people in our sin caused by free will, which is a good gift misused, we have all alienated ourselves from God. We've sinned against him, we've rebelled. And that sin deserves punishment from a God who is just. And a truly just God cannot let us go unpunished. Sin would have to be punished. Just like today, if somebody murdered somebody we loved, it wouldn't be right for the judge to grant them mercy and say, ah, don't worry about it. I'm forgiving you. That's not the way it works. We would cry out, where's justice? God is perfectly just. And sin must be punished. It's part of God's character. And it's what we would want God to have as a character, justice, along with his love and mercy. And in God's love, mercy, and justice, God made a way by allowing his one and only son to come to earth, to clothe himself in human form, born as a vulnerable baby, and grow up to never sin, to never rebel against God, to never use his will in opposition to God. Actually, God in flesh he was. But ultimately he came to die for our sins. To make a way for us to be forgiven where we don't have to pay for our sins because Jesus was our substitute. He died in our place. He paid for our sins instead of us. But the way we get that accounted to us is simply a gift that we receive in faith. And receiving it in faith means that we put our trust, our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for our salvation. And if that's sincere, it will show up in our lives because if we receive that incredible gift from God that he died for us, we will want to know him. We will want to follow him. And so that will show up in our lives. That's what scripture says. So I, I say all this and you might say, well, well, back to what you're talking about. So what? So what? There's a spiritual realm. Yeah. What I'm saying to us as believers is, Paul's reminding us there's a spiritual realm that exists. And when we become followers of Jesus, we are targeted by a determined enemy. And he's constantly trying to distract you, discourage you. He's constantly um, trying to have a negative impact on you, even destroy you. And he wants to neutralize you for the kingdom of God. That's his goal. That's what he wants. As a believer, we need to be aware of that. But we do not need to fear that. Because we know God is stronger. So that's the, that's the who we fight is Satan. Next is what we fight. And what we fight is the devil's schemes. I don't know if you caught it there in verses 11, 12. It says, we are to stand firm against the schemes or the strategies of the devil. That's, that's what he's telling us. And so that, it's not just who, it's what. What's he doing? I, I, just this last week, uh, my brother, my brothers and I all played high school football 
one of my brother's college football, but uh, my, my brother, one of my brothers is a coach in a high, at a high school in Colorado, and he just left one coaching job, which is actually our old high school was split in two, and he was doing that. But now he's back at our original high school where we all graduated from. So he just took this job, and he's there, and while he's his first year there, he gets a call from the librarian, and the librarian says, hey, I found all these old football tapes, I'm going to throw them away, and, uh, and the principal thought, maybe I should ask you about it. So he goes and checks it out, and he finds out that he's got all these tapes. He was all state and went on to play college ball, but all of his senior year, every football game they had in, in the library. Isn't that cool? And then he said, and Kevin, some of your games are there too. And, you know, I don't know about my other brother, but it's just like, wow. And so he's putting these on a format. But won't it be cool? It, it could go bad. I mean, I could be looking at these tapes going, oh, man. But won't it be cool to be able to look at these old tapes from years and years ago and see how you reacted as a player against the strategy of the other team? You know, it'd be kind of neat to see, right? Okay, I lost you all on that one. Yeah, I'm... Yes, that would be cool. But here's the deal. As a believer, we have a huge advantage over our enemy. And here's what it is. We know his playbook. We know his playbook. And we have his playbook. And by the way, it's not that thick. Actually, he's only got four plays. Four plays that he's been running on every person since the beginning of humanity and it goes right back to the garden we can see these four plays happening right when he first shows up in the garden and here here I want to read this for you Genesis 3 beginning of verse 1 now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman indeed God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees in the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right there, here's his four plays, the same four plays he uses today. First, he'll cause you to doubt God's goodness. He, Satan, God's enemy, will cause you as a believer to doubt God's goodness. And here's when that shows up. Anytime you, when some bad things happen, and anytime you're sitting there and you're thinking about this and you're saying, I don't get it. I don't understand how God could have allowed this to happen. Why would God allow this? Satan's running his first play, doubting God's goodness. His second play is doubting God's wisdom. And that shows up in our lives. And, and this happens all the time, by the way. That shows up when we start thinking like this. Yeah, I know what God says, but I think I have a, but for me, I'm going to go this other direction. I'm thinking that's going to work out better for me. I'll give you an example. I've, I've counseled people for over 30 years. And in 30 years of counseling, multiple times, I've had men sitting in a room with me from in the church and outside the church. 
And they're trying to make this decision whether to leave their wife and children and be with their mistress or stay with their wife and children. And a lot of times, if they're a believer, if they say they're a believer, I'll just flat out ask them, if Jesus was right here in the room with you, what would he tell you? And they know. Well, you know, Jesus would tell me, you know, to, to stay with my wife. Because that's the right thing to do. Because I made vows, you know. That's what marriage is. But many men don't. Why? Why is that? Because they feel like they've figured something out. Yeah. They feel like they know what's best for their lives, that they've figured out a better plan for their life than what God has told them they should do for their life. They think they're smarter than God in this area. And they fall many times because they think they have a better plan than God does for their life. The third play is after doubting God's goodness, doubting God's wisdom, is doubting God's word. And that shows up all the time today. Where, and that's where you're reading scripture or you're being taught scripture and, then, and, and, you're, and you're doing that, by the way, in the, in the correct context and everything. But when you get these commands or these instructions and you're going, wow, that, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Not today, not in this day. That's, that seems a little off. That seems a little unreasonable to me. That's Satan running his third play. And actually, normally, probably predominantly, that, that shows up in two areas. Where do we doubt God's word? Well, today, where we doubt God's word maybe the most? Sexuality. Where we read in the Bible and God says that his plan for a physical relationship is only within marriage. We should never have a physical relationship with somebody outside the bond of marriage. And people hear that and they're like, whoa, that's pretty restrictive. That seems a little old fashioned to me. I, that, that, that seems a little crazy. I don't know if I can do that. Doubting God's word. This is what, well, I don't think he would have meant that for today. I don't think he would have written that way for today. You're doubting God's word. And the same with same-sex relationships. It falls into the same category. Where you hear about that, what God's saying is best, and, and people say, wow, that, boy, today's day and age, that sounds ridiculous to me. You're doubting God's word. And by the way, if you're sitting here and saying, hey, Kevin, I don't have that problem. I, I get what God says about sexuality. I mean, you know, doing it is, is a little more tougher, but I understand it and believe it. Well, then the second area, probably money. You know, we're, wow, what God tells, how he tells us to handle, boy, I, I don't know that I could go with that. This is where God's just telling us, hey, a portion of our income all the time should go back to honor God somehow. And God uses that to fund his church. That's why, by the way, a whole bunch of us here at Grace give at least 10% of our income back to church to God that way, back to him, because everything we have is from God. Everything we have, God owns. We give it back to honor God, but also to fund the ministries that God wants to happen through his church. 
Are you doubting God's word in some area? If God's asking you to do something and you're resisting it because it seems unreasonable and it's spelled out in scripture, Satan's running his third play. And then the last one is, is simply this, that Satan offers something that he does not have and he cannot deliver. That's what happened to Eve. What, what's he say to Eve? Hey, you, you shall surely not, not, hey, the day you eat of it, you're going to be like God. Well, Satan doesn't own that. He didn't have that. He can't deliver on that. That's not true. But Eve believed it. And so sin came that way. It, it, we can go back to the guy, you know, who's considering leaving his wife. And what's he hearing in his head? He's trying to make this decision. Why is it such a struggle? Because he looks over here and he's saying, yeah, if I leave my wife and my children, I go over here, wow, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. The kids will be okay. They'll be all right. This is going to be better, better than I could even imagine. That's Satan running his fourth play. He can't deliver that. He didn't own that. That's a violation of what God is saying. It's always a deal that's too good to be true. I remember when I was a kid growing up, before all this internet stuff, my dad used to tell me, these old scams from flim flam guys, he'd always just tell me, Kevin, you can only get scammed if you're greedy. You can only get scammed because you're trying to get something that you didn't earn, you know, that you're trying to get some money that you didn't make, some money that's really not yours. And when, as soon as you start seeing that bait, that you, you find a way to get this money, then you start giving money to make that happen and, and you're scammed. And those deals that are too good to be true, guess what? You find out later they're too good to be true. You know, that's, that, that was, of course, that was before all the, the internet now, you know, where it's like, hey, the government says you owe, the, you know, and all this stuff. But just, what am I saying? That the devil's a schemer. The devil's a scammer. He's trying to make you think you're going to have something. He's trying to make you think you're going to get satisfaction. And he cannot deliver on it. He's just running his place. I mean, sometimes you'll be talking to somebody and it's like, Wow, they're, 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 they're thinking about leaving their wife and they just, they doubt God's goodness and they doubt God's wisdom. The devil's only run two plays and they're already toast. They're already gone. That's the what. What we fight, the devil's schemes. And then now we come up to the last and that's not who we fight, what we fight, but how we fight. And he tells us, hey, the way we fight as we take up the full armor of God. And why armor? Well, at the time, these things that are mentioned here, they're the state-of-the-art equipment for the Roman army that dominated the world at the time. Probably, if Paul was writing today, he'd be talking about night vision goggles, right? You know, and he'd be talking about silencers and GPS communication and all that stuff. This was just the state-of-the-art equipment. And are you checking what it is? Here's what he says. The belt of truth. Gird up your loins with truth, he's saying. Then he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Hey, we need truth. This, this, these are the provisions God gives us 
to stand against the enemy. Truth, righteousness. He says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's saying, put on the gospel, live out the gospel, take the gospel, he's saying. And then he transitions and says, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And then the offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we carry. And then he wraps it all up with prayer and prayer and petitions because God is inviting us to involve him in our battle. God is inviting us to ask him to help us stand firm. And God is giving us every single provision that we need to stand firm in the face of our enemy. And you know what? Standing firm, all we're doing is holding the ground that Jesus has already taken for us. It's just holding on to the ground that he's already won the big battle. These are just skirmishes. He's won the war. We're just holding the ground until the end of time. Stand firm. Stand firm against our enemy. James put it this way. He says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That sounds a lot like the song we heard at the beginning of the service, didn't it? Run, devil, run, Crowder, yeah. Most of you are asleep for it. Yeah, that one. Resist, resist the devil and he will run from you. Remember, God's given us every provision we need. There's a spiritual reality, but we don't have to fear. And we'll be talking more about fear next Sunday. We don't have to fear because God has given us everything we need to stand firm in the face of our enemy. I'm going to have Luke come out, and he's got a few things to tell us before we wrap up our service. And then I think some of our music team is coming back uh, to give us a little more of that run, devil, run before we get out of our, our, uh, our auditorium here. Luke. Hey, viewers. We are so glad you're joining us online and then also joining he us here physically. Hey, before you shut off your computer or your television or your phone online, hey, just for a few seconds longer, hey, normally when it comes to a time of giving and uh, this time in our service, we usually pass the bags, but for health reasons, we're not going to do that today. And as you dismiss um, here, if you're here at Grace, there'll be bags as you dismiss so you can physically put a check or a cash as you leave. Um, but um, so in this time, we want to kind of give you a few different options of maybe some options that you haven't considered in giving before. And so one of the ways that I give every single week is I pull out my phone and, I, and I've already done all this, so it's a little bit easier for me. But if you go through the setup, it's super simple. And so I download downloaded the Church Center app, and that's the platform I choose to kind of to give. And so I'm, let me just really fast hit submit, and now it's sending, it's loading, and um, while I'm talking, and it's done. So 
that's as simple as it is. As simple way to give. You also can set up reoccurring giving. Uh, I know Pastor Mike, he does, he, set, he has set up already reoccurring giving because he would forget to give every single week. But here's the importance of giving and tithing and giving back a portion of what God has already given to us. Is it's one, it's commanded, and, and it's also in that command, it's a form of worship. Just like singing is a form of worship or listening to God's word is this form of worship, it's also a form of worship obeying God and giving back a portion of what he's already given to you. And I know in this season, it might be, it might be difficult to trust God with our money because we don't have really a, maybe an idea of what may be coming our way. But this is a point in our time in our, as a Christians, as people who call grace our church home, we gotta trust that God is good and we gotta be faithful and obedient to giving back to him a portion of what he's given us. And if you want more help on this, we have a little bit of video that's gonna help you kind of set up the Church Center app and also set up maybe that reoccurring giving. Check this out. We've set up a simple way for you to give to our church online. If you want to give a quick gift, enter an amount, select a fund, then enter your email address and your first and last name. Then enter your payment details and click Give. And that's it. We'll send a receipt to your email address. To use a saved payment method or manage a recurring donation, you'll want to log in. Click the Login button and we'll send a code to your phone or email account. Verify the code and you're in. Now your payment info is ready to go when you want to make a donation. To manage your giving details, switch over to the My Giving page. Here you'll see more ways you can give. You can also add a payment method, a bank account or a debit card, set up a recurring donation, and view your giving history. To get started, visit our website or download the Church Center app in your Android or Apple App Store. So it's pretty simple. And so we already have already, if we have your email, we've already sent you an email kind of with this information to help you set this up. And in this season, one of the important things that we want to do as a church is be there for our community. We want to reach our community. And one of those things that we need to do as a church is be giving back to the church a portion of what God has given to us so that we can reach and impact Sandusky County and, and, and all the, around Northwest Ohio and all around our world. And, and that's what we con continue want to, that's what we continue want to do, continually want to do here at Grace. And so, hey, if you want to do that right now, that's how, if best way you want to give, you can do that right now. And before we close the service, let's pray for the offering for our week. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to just come worship you this morning in song and getting diving into your word, Lord. And Lord, also in this time of worship, of giving back a portion of what you have given to us. And Lord, we pray that you use that to impact our community, impact our world. And Lord, we pray that we would just be faithful to you, especially in this season and this time. And Lord, we, we pray for our family, our church family, that you keep us healthy, and keep us so free from this virus, Lord. And Lord, we love you, we praise you. In your name, amen. See you guys, you're dismissed.